1: Then I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail and it was there that I came to the Lord History Makers with Matt Prater Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today we're catching up with Pastor and author Vince Esterman He's been travelling the world in places like France and Reunion Island Ministering and planning churches for many years He's back in Australia now and it's a privilege to welcome him along into the studio Uh, Welcome along, Vince. Tell us a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? Well, um, I'm actually Australian, but French
0: as well. I was born in Australia, but to French parents. So I spoke French at
1: home before I
0: ever learned English at school.
1: Okay, fantastic. And and, uh, what uh, town are you from? Sydney. Okay. Sydney Sider. Which suburb? Uh, In the North Shore area. North Shore. uh, St. Ives. Nice part of the world. Beautiful. 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 And uh, did you have a religious upbringing at all?
0: Yeah, well, being a, a Catholic family, French Catholic family, then we grew up uh, with Catholic faith. And uh, that really is, is an important part of my story because mm-hmm. uh, I had an experience, a life-changing experience, when I was only just 15 at a, at a Catholic youth camp. And a young Catholic boy that has an experience like that, um, well, he, he only has one option, is to decide to become a priest. And so when I finished high school, then I went into the seminary, okay, and studied a couple of years to be a priest. I had the full gowns on and uh, and the cross on the collars. Wow! And yeah, yeah, and uh, it was just uh, a very important experience. But I realised that the institution uh, didn't reflect what what I'd experienced, and I was I was wanting a genuine, authentic Christian life. And a an e- real experience of God. And I remember at the, in the seminary I, I would wait until the curfew at 11 o'clock and then I would go walking the fire trails of Springwood. And, uh, and it was there that I was able to develop a relationship with God. So um, after a couple of years, then I left. And uh, in my desire to to deepen my walk with God, then I went and saw a priest who had been different from the others over the course of the two years, and explained to him my my dissatisfaction with what I'd experienced and my hunger for God. And he was about 60 years of age, and he said to me, well, I've just discovered something that has totally changed my ministry. I said, oh, yes, what's that? And he said, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So I was very interested in that, and he took me down to Canberra for a uh, what they called at that stage a transdenominational charismatic conference. It was my first real exposure to to the charismatic meetings, and uh, it was there that I was filled with the Holy Spirit in the, in the night meeting, first meeting. So I came back to Sydney then, and I was red hot. <laughs> I mean, it, nothing could hold me back. And at the time, to my knowledge, Sydney was a pretty spiritually dead place. Things have changed a lot since, but uh, at that time, this is, this is in the 70s, this is uh, um, about 70, 73, 74 and so I heard that things were happening in Brisbane. So I threw my things in the car and drove to Brisbane looking for
1: it. And you found uh, some interesting churches in Brisbane. Where did you uh, first connect uh, with churches in Brisbane?
0: Well, I, um, I joined a Catholic parish in Toowong and uh, had my guitar and led singing in the, in the Sunday night mass. Um, and then um, I met a couple from Christian Life Centre Brisbane Pastor uh, Trevor Chandler was the pastor um, of the church, and, uh, and they talked to me about CLC, and so they invited me along, I went there,
1: it was quite an experience for me,
0: very different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of uh, Aussies might remember the name Trevor Chandler, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he uh, had previously been a Kiwi Baptist pastor, who then kind of got into the uh, the charismatic scene and ended up coming to Brisbane and... Uh, had people like Pastor Clark Taylor would, was was at his church, and yeah. many other uh, pastors that are in ministry now were a part of that ministry back in the day. What was it like first walking in? Because I've I've heard some stories of how wild that church was back in the day. It was like a thousand people at, at, at sometimes there in the church. Yeah. What was it like first walking into CLC? Then?
0: Well, I'd been warned about going to CLC because <laughs> they, they told me, and I was a university student at that stage, so they told me. Uh, you know, you, people listen to the preaching and they're just uh, nodding their heads all along. And and, uh, uh, and I said, oh, I don't like that. That sounded like a bit simple-minded people. <laughs> and so I was pretty cautious and, and hesitant when I went the first time. I In fact, I sat near the door up the back in case I didn't like it and I could clear out. And uh, I started uh, listening to uh, uh, Trevor Chandler's preaching. And before long, I was nodding my head. As well, <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> uh, no, there was, there was just uh, incredible truth that was being preached mm-hmm. that I had never heard uh, before. And I think that that's what I understood going to CLC, that I didn't have a message. When people would say to me, well, how do, how do you get to heaven? And I would say, well, uh, I guess you shouldn't do too many bad things and try to go to church and, and do good to, to other people. I just didn't have a message. But when I went to CLC, I had the message. Mm. And when I heard it, it, a penny dropped, and I devoted my life to that
1: message. Wow. And I've taken it everywhere. Today we're catching up with Pastor and author Vince Esterman. And tell us a bit about how you got involved in ministry at the church. Well, um,
0: Holy Spirit spoke to me one Sunday night as I was listening to Trevor, and uh, he said, stick to him. So I did. And I went and saw him. I was a very woolly Bushy haired uh, A university student In those days In those days We would make our own Holes in our jeans You know We wouldn't buy them <laughs> And uh, I think I scared him The first time <laughs> He uh, opened the door For the appointment And uh, And I sat down and he said Looked at me Very solemnly And he said Well young man uh, uh, What have you come To see me about And I said to him Well Pastor Chandler What do I have to do To become a pastor Well he He was taken aback And he looked at me and he said, well, young man, (laughs) study the word and be patient. (laughs) And I thought, that's good advice. So that's what I did. And uh, sometime later, I asked him if I could be his Timothy. And he said no. Oh, then I asked him if I could join him for a crusade in Melbourne. And he said no. And I said, I didn't want to come on a plane with him. I just want to be present in the meetings. And he said, that's okay. (laughs) So I thought, how am I going to get to Melbourne from Brisbane? I had a little car, two-cylinder Honda at the time. So I drove down to Sydney, (laughs) left it in the parents' place, and then caught the train down to Melbourne. When he arrived on the plane, I was at the airport to say hello. Wow. And uh, when he needed an assistant to the youth pastor, he looked around and guess who was sticking to him? It was me. So that was the way I began. So after my university degree uh, in uh, religious studies, then that's all I've ever done is is ministry.
1: Okay, and so you were running the youth group there for a while, and I understand there was a, a young girl that caught your eye. <laughs> oh yes,
0: um, <laughs> she was in the youth committee when I was a youth pastor. Uh huh. And um, when I started uh, uh, getting very interested in her, then. Um, uh, we multiplied the number of committee meetings, <laughs> and uh, one one night, one one evening before a youth committee meeting, I said, Denise, uh, let's go and have some dinner. And she said, No, it's not necessary. We can just have have coffee here, and you, we can talk. And I thought she hasn't got this. <laughs> Took her a while to get the message,
1: <laughs> but uh, that was. Many years ago, and she has been my wife for over 42 years. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. A great uh, um, Bible, uh, you know, they, they, they call it um, Bible college sometimes, not but uh, bridal college, not Bible college. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, a great uh, ministry opportunity there for you. Now, um, let's uh, move on to your church planning. So you ended up planning a church at Ipswich. Uh, that's right, yeah.
0: We were uh, in ministry in Brisbane, and in our first year of marriage then uh, uh, Pastor Chandler asked, uh, asked us if we would consider going to Ipswich because there was a group that was meeting in Ipswich that would travel up on the Sundays to CLC Brisbane. So we, uh, we went down there enthusiastically and uh, that was a group of about eight to ten people and uh, that was the beginning of what today is a great church.
1: So it's now known as Catalyst Church. That's right. Um, Several several hundred people. They've planted a few churches recently as well. Pastor Carl Mutzelberg, mutual friend of ours. So an incredible ministry that you began there. So you were there for a while but then felt the call to travel. Well, that came out of a visit
0: to Papua New Guinea where I did a tour of churches and preached and uh, we saw some mighty things happen. But I was just conscious that there were so many Christians there per per rata and, uh, and I, on the plane, um, I said to, to Denise, I said, where could we go where there is a greater need, a greater need of pastors and preachers? And that's where it suddenly occurred to me that I was French and that I could walk into France anytime I wanted to as a French citizen. And so I wrote to about 100 Christian organizations. We knew absolutely no evangelical Christians in France, even though I... I had family still in France. Um, and so I wrote to these to 100 organisations and, and only one replied. And it was uh, the leader of the European missions work in the, in Britain, in England, who wrote to me. He said, well, if you really feel it's God, then why don't you do a trip over here and I can introduce you to some contacts in France. That's what we did. And we travelled down into the south of France with him And we had an amazing thing that happened. Uh, It was the, uh, my French was pretty rusty and not very good at all, I must admit. So we went to one church and I wasn't a speaker at all. I was just sitting in on the meetings run by the English guys. And the pastor, the French pastor came up to me and he said, would you like to take a meeting on a Thursday afternoon? It's only for older folk and it's only mainly older women. And I said, yeah, sure, I'd love, love to. And so at the end of that, that message, um, I had a word of knowledge. And I said, um, there's somebody here who's got um, a very poor heart condition and I need to pray for you because God's going to do something for you. And I thought, you know, there's a bunch of old older ladies I think I can't really miss. <laughs> and uh, who should come out for prayer but the pastor himself. Wow. He was due for open heart surgery. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm. Surprising. So the following day we left, went on to another town, and then eventually ended up in Paris, and the phone rang in our hotel room in Paris, and it was this pastor. He's saying, I do have to go in for open-heart surgery. I don't know of anybody else I would like to entrust a church to, a church of 400 people. Um, would you consider coming back down to the city of Nîmes and pastoring the church for me while I'm convalescing for three months?
1: I couldn't do it. I had a church in Australia, mm. but it was the open door into France. Wow. And I'm curious to know a bit about uh, the transition to France after that. How long did it take for you to get over there and what was the what Well, was the that was
0: 1984 mm-hmm. and then um, as a result of that first visit, then I had a number of invitations to return the following year. So I went back, but this time to actually minister in, uh, in, in crusade meetings. And uh, then we realised that we just couldn't keep doing this every year. It was just too expensive. Denise and I were paying for the trips. We'd get some love offerings, but that never covered everything. And uh, and so we just had to decide whether we forget about France and just concentrate on, on the Ipswich Church or that we move permanently to France. And it was a little old lady that was sitting in a meeting uh, that came running after us at the end of a meeting, and she called out, Pastor, Pastor, you, you must come back. You must come back because the only awakening we have is the one every morning out of bed. That's the only awakening we know. And that, that was like a Macedonian call for us. Mm. And so we we felt God was speaking through this little old lady. Mm, And so we came back to Australia, looked for a replacement for the Ipswich Church,
1: and uh, moved to France the following year. Today we're catching up with pastor and author Vince Esterman. Now, we'll fast forward a bit. Obviously, uh, you spent many years over there, and you saw a network of churches uh, through church planning. Tell us what that looked like. Yeah. Um, The first 18 months...
0: We spent moving around churches, and it was there that we saw that the churches were very legalistic, and there was a resistance to the freedom of the Holy Spirit, not at all the the kind of churches that we felt comfortable in. And so we moved into Paris and started our first church, and the whole thing was just so uh, daunting. That's really the word. And I remember one Saturday night, I was in the south of France finishing off some commitments, preaching commitments. I got to my room um, on the Saturday night of that camp, and I felt overawed by what we'd done. We had moved to Paris alone with nobody to help us, no one receiving us, no one with us. And uh, I had the feeling that, that we'd bitten off more than we could chew and that we would get that the ground would open up and we would get swallowed up, and you'd never hear of us again. And that night I felt desperate. So I got on my knees and I prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke into my spirit and reminded me of the, the, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And, uh, and then I just felt this prompting that what you have that is so small in your own hands, put them in the hands of Jesus and see what happens. And that night I did. When I got, got back to where we were staying, um, Denise said, you better ring this lady. She rang while you are away and she said so I rang her and I introduced myself and she said are you Pastor Estimate? I said yes Uh, I said you are a pastor she said I said that's correct and you've moved to our area and I said well yes we have because that's where we could find a place to stay and she said and your intention is to open a church and I said well uh, yes that's really what we'd like to do and then she said praise God I have been praying for many years that a pastor would come, and that he would start a church, and I would be part of it. And so we met with some of her friends in her her small apartment, and that was the beginning of church planning right around France. It took us in all the different regions of the country, planting churches, helping others plant churches, and uh, I think uh, we must have helped plant about thirty churches. Uh, around the french-speaking world into Romania as well and um, and uh, it, it, it's it's ongoing now mm. then we we ended up in reunion island because one of the churches that we'd planted from Paris was in reunion Island which is a French territory fully fr- fledged and um, cutting a long story short there was a there was a time where I went into itinerant work for, for five years because I, I felt there was a new model of the evangelist that was needed. and um, But after five, five years of that, it was just two long periods away from my wife and it was just not sustainable. So we had an invitation to go back to Reunion Island to help them establish other churches which they hadn't been able to do. And we felt that was once again God speaking to us. So we came back. We were staying in Adelaide. We came back. We packed our stuff, moved to Reunion Island, and started there. We were going to be there only for two years. And eight and a half years later, we came back to Australia in November of, of 2020. So there as well, we pioneered four churches, and one of which is in an island called Mayotte, which is 96% Muslim. And uh, there's a little lady who's um, uh, a Madagascan lady, She's got fifty people, which is a mega church mm. in a place like Mayotte. So all of those things, you know, we've we've been pioneers. So it's
1: uh, we've been working with small uh, churches, and we believe it's all grain of mustard seed. Wonderful. And uh, I know you've written a few books as well, which uh, detail a whole bunch of the testimonies uh, that uh, you've seen people come to Christ over the years. Uh, the books are called Miracle Conversions: Stories from the Street and also sharing the gospel so people will listen and respond. Uh, Great books that detail a whole bunch of uh, your ministry as well. Uh, It is so good to hear what God's been doing. I've seen a video of you sharing the gospel outside universities on the streets of Paris where you do cartoon sketchboards and all that kind of stuff. I just love the fact that you're such a creative evangelist uh, and it's so good to hear your story today. Our time is up, but I just wanted to say, Vince, it's been a privilege to hear a bit of your story today. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League.